and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. Don't you think about Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you can join us today. We're going to be having a really interesting conversation about caregiving tips because, you know, giving care doesn't come naturally to all of us, and dementia is a very specific illness compared to many and sometimes needs a different approach than what we're used to with some of the other um, diseases and stuff that we that we work with. So, but before I introduce you to our guest, I always like to just do a little bit of housekeeping. So again, welcome for those of you that are new, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We were the original broadcast uh, specific to dementia and caregiving when we first started out. And it's nice to see that there are others in the field at this point as well. So please check out other podcasts that are out there. I also want to say thank you to the Mark Arneson band because they allow us to use their song clearing call for our opening music. And, you know, think about as you're listening to this show, should you be our next guest? You know, we talk to everybody all around the world. So people living with dementia, family care partners, um, business professionals in all different modes, authors, movie directors, researchers, um, songwriters, just reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. And also please go check out our main website, alzheimerspeaks.com. There you will find a page which is just full of free educational resources. And there's a ton of things on there. Um, If you're looking for a, a speaker or someone to host an event, You can go to our programs and services. If you're looking for help with your branding and marketing, you can go to that section. And you can also check out our book that's going to be coming out pretty quick here, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How We Care. And I'm really excited about that. That's only been in the works about 10, over 10 years now. It's been a signature story of mine when I speak and people have asked me to get that in book form. So It's a children's book, but I think the kids are going to teach us a lot of great, great lessons. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest today. We are going to be talking with Courtney Nulty, and she is the founder of Generational Support, LLC. She's a caregiver consultant, and she has a resource guide that she has founded in 2020. And when she's not busy doing her work that she loves, she spends time with her husband, Will, and their three kids in and around their hometown of New Orleans. Now, I know you're going to pick up lots of of great tips um, as we talk with Courtney. So, Courtney, I am so thrilled to have you with us today. I know we're going to learn tons of great information. But before I get to my uh, standard questions that I have posed for you, I always like to share with our audience, if you're comfortable, have you been personally touched by dementia in your own family or circle of friends? Well, Lori, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's such an honor. 
And yes, I have been impacted with knowing somebody personally. My maternal grandmother had Alzheimer's for 10 years. And so I watched my incredibly strong mother help care for her for those years and learned a lot. And also then worked in the industry with people with dementia and Alzheimer's uh, a decade ago. So yes, I am well-versed and uh, have many stories and memories. Well, and I think, I think stories are so powerful to me. It's the way we just naturally learn um, in everyday life. So let's start out with how the heck did you get into this industry, the aging industry? Well, uh, as I said, I grew up going to visit my grandmother at a nursing home every Sunday. Um, we'd never missed it a day in 10 years and um, always loved being around her and her uh, hallmates. And then um, kind of forgot about it after she passed and just, you know, went through high school and college and um, in New Orleans. So I experienced Katrina and after Katrina, I lost my job and I was looking for something to do. And I came across an ad for an activities director for a continuing care retirement community here in New Orleans. And I thought that would be a fun temporary job and um, got it and ended up staying in that CCRC for 11 years and absolutely loved it and learned a lot. And um, I always say I had a few hundred grandparents. I was lucky during those years. Oh, that's special. I, I always have been drawn to elders to all of my life. And so for me, it was a really a natural fit. But if my mom, you know, if I hadn't been touched with my mom personally having it, I don't think I probably would have stepped into this space. And that made all the difference, you know, in the world for me there. Um, so true. What, what makes your journey different and your outlook different when it comes to care? Uh, my story is different because I have not only a personal caregiving background with having witnessed my mom care for her mother, and then also I have friends that had uh, parents with Alzheimer's, but also having worked in the industry, um, getting involved on a daily basis with them, taking the education courses that were required while I was in working in the building. Uh, learning, observing, um, really think uh, makes me have a whole different perspective, um, personal and professional. So I can see both sides of things. I understand the, the science, healthcare, medical, and then I also understand the family feelings, emotions side as well. So I can see all versions and help from many different angles. Okay. Um, when you created your company, did you have like a, a set mission that you were looking at? I love helping people. Um, like a, my years as activity director, <clears throat> I worked late, <laughs> even though the boss didn't want us to work late, but I loved just being around them and helping them and then helping their family. Um, you know, whether it's somebody with advanced Alzheimer's with um, taking care of, uh, not taking care of, but handling baby dolls for the first time, helping them understand that and helping with 
sundowning and understanding all of those things. And so during COVID, the reason I created my business was I had lots of friends reaching out to me, asking me questions um, with family, whether it was hospitalized or uh, being secluded in their housing. And so um, I got just so many phone calls and I decided I wanted to create a blog just to help more people. And the blog just grew into people contacting me individually for consulting services because they had more personal questions than the broad topics I discuss on my blog. And so then I created a consulting arm. And then from there, created these digital downloads that are on my website that do kind of what I do in assisting with asking the hard questions, figuring out what needs to be done, where to look, all of those things. So it's really, my goal is just to help as many people as possible with understanding the aging industry, um, and especially those with dementia and Alzheimer's as well. Wonderful. It's It sounds, uh, you know, like it was just a normal progression of things, you know, and you followed the need and mm-hmm. kind of plugged, plugged those holes. Now, you had mentioned baby dolls and sundowning, and not everybody listening may understand what you even mean by either of of those uh, tools and uh, and or symptoms. So I'm wondering if you can tackle the baby dolls and then we'll move on to, uh, you know, sundowning and what the heck that is. Sure. So as I talked before, when um, being a caregiver, it's the more emotional side as opposed to the technical hospital terms on the, the business side of Alzheimer's industry. And emotions aren't only just for caregivers, but for the actual patient with Alzheimer's. And one thing we all remember and recall is love and support and comfort. And uh, the one thing that that comes from is being held by a parent or a parent holding that child that that creates that comfort. And so when somebody has dementia or advanced Alzheimer's, if they're in the agitated state, sometimes handing them a doll, a baby doll to hold on to calms them because it reminds them of that love, of that care, of that comfort and the emotional side of it. And that's just amazing what it does. It seems strange to so many people when they see it for their first time, seeing an older person holding a baby doll, but understanding the why is so important for everybody. And so thank you for asking for that question, because that was the thing that we would explain to family members when they would notice for the first time their loved one holding a doll, is that it's the emotional, it helps calm them, it helps them feel safe, secure, loved. Um, And that's why dolls are presented. And it's a wonderful tool. If you know somebody living at home, to maybe see if that could possibly work, put a doll out on a, on a bed or on a sofa and just see how they act and interact with it. Yeah. And when and they have them, they're so lifelike now and they're so soft and it, it's just absolutely amazing. I had a friend over in Australia, Colin, and they did a whole study on dolls and, you know, a lot of the families, there was pushback at first, that's childish and blah, blah, blah. And then they, you know, families saw them interacting with these baby dolls and how protective they were and 
And one of the things that surprised them a little bit in the study was it didn't make any difference if it was a male or a female. They both felt uh, the difference and they were very protective over the dolls. So if somebody's coffee was too close, you know, they pushed that back. And uh, it was just it was it was pretty interesting, the study that they did and the joy that you could see that it brought the residents and just the fun and the calmness. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, I have to, I have to go get the kids. I have to go get the kids, you know, or they're back in time and people don't understand how important that is, but we all want to be loved and we're all capable, no matter, you know, what's happened to us of giving love as well. And uh, I think that's wonderful. What about sundowning? Can you kind of describe that and, um, what people can do when that hits? So sundowning is a, um, another, I don't know if it would be described as emotional cause I'm not a physician. So, um, but it is a term that's used when at towards the end of day, when the sun is beginning to set a lot of people with dementia and Alzheimer's dementia, become extremely agitated. Um, it has to do with our internal clock, the, the way that our body reacts to the, the, the sun coming up in the morning to midday to evening, how our body fluctuates with time and lighting. And so when the end of day lighting gets darker, for some reason, it also agitates somebody with dementia and therefore they become more aggressive, more upset, uh, those kinds of things. So that's when turning on light music, um, putting up the lights a little bit more, having baby dolls around, um, holding somebody's hand and just sitting next to them, giving them that personal touch at end of day really makes a huge difference and comforts them. It all just goes back to being comforted and loved and feeling safe. And, um, you know, it's very hard for us to understand the brain, what's going on in the brain uh, of somebody else that's experiencing this. But as you said, with all the studies and stuff, the feelings and emotions of comfort and love really just went over every time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, some people go, it, it's almost like being hankery, you know, where you're hungry and you're a little edgy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're hungry. Um, some people can get really agitated. Some people can get downright aggressive. Um, and some people will just follow somebody around and just be, you know, on their tippy toes. And if they stop, they're going to just walk right into them. So I think it comes in a lot of different formats, but it is about feeling, I think, out of place, you know, mm-hmm. and for some, maybe they're thinking, okay, I have to leave and I have to go home. You know, it's that shift change, you know, in history. I mean, there could be so many different, different realms to, to uh, trigger that. Absolutely. I think it's really important. One of the things I know that I tell my people when, because I get a lot of uh, people complaining that, oh, they just follow me all the time, you know, and especially around that sundowning time, they see it and, and um, I, I try to explain to it that they have become really their security blanket. You're their safe person, you know, and so they want to get as close to you as possible. And when you can 
shift your mindset that they're not doing this to irritate me, not doing this to, you know, push my buttons, but because they're kind of scared and uncomfortable and they can't verbalize it and realize, I mean, how lucky can you be to give somebody that kind of comfort and safety? I mean, that's not something that happens all the time. That's really a huge, huge gift, Mm -hmm. I think. And I know for me uh, that that made me as a care partner calm down and be more accepting. And then I was able to redirect a little bit easier without feeling frustrated and panicky on my own part. And I think that that can be kind of a, a tricky thing, especially for families. But I think staff run into it too, where, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, how do we deal with this? And what do we do? Um, but exactly. you just, you gave some great examples um, in terms of, of redirection, you know, with the baby dolls and music and, um, you know, could be going for a little walk. I mean, there's just tons. It's kind of endless what somebody can do to leverage that um, redirection. Well, let's talk about the two digital, you know, download books that you have, you have developed. Um, Let's do one at a time. So one is the caregiver tool. And the other is the hospital discharge handbook. So which would you like to start with? Uh, We can start with the caregiver toolbox. Okay. So why did you create that? And what can people expect to find in that? So as I mentioned um, at the beginning, after my blogging with the personal phone calls, I was started doing some consulting. And as we all know, consulting can be a little pricey. And as caregivers, we're really counting our dollars because it's a lot to caregive for somebody else as, um, as well as caregiving for yourself and any other family members you might have, or if you're assisting a non-family member too. And my thoughts were, how can I make it so that somebody else can tap into my knowledge and all the things that I assist with as a consultant in a less expensive way, and that's easy for them to get right away. So I created this book of um, all the things that I go over when I sit down with somebody consulting and discuss with whether it's about attorneys, power of attorney, financial questions, healthcare questions, medication, housing, transportation, I say house safety, I go through all of this. So I put all of that in this handbook that um, you can purchase on a website that way you can go through slowly and fill out all the information and have it in one spot. Oh, that's nice. And what is the fee for that? That's $29. Okay, okay. And so they would just download that on their computer and be able to have all of that. That's, you know, being organized <laughs> and being prepared, that's half the battle. It is. In terms of trying to keep the calm and stuff. So that mm-hmm. that is wonderful. The yeah. other one I, I thought was interesting, just the hospital discharge handbook, because that, I mean, being admitted and discharged are probably two of the craziest times that you're going to be dealing with as a, as a care partner. So what can they expect to find in that? So it is as much of a breakdown as I could make it to simplify because it is an overwhelm, overwhelming uh, situation and process. So it starts with telling you who all the people are that sign off for the discharge, the doctor, the nurse, the therapist, the social worker, power of attorney, the patient, everything. 
And it goes through what questions you should ask upon admittance, questions to ask during, and then questions to ask prior to discharge, along with who to follow up with, how to follow up, uh, questions about medications, about where to be discharged to, whether it's at home or if somebody can't go home, where should they go? How should they find somewhere? Um, it helps you with everything because it is so overwhelming. You, When you're in the hospital and whether you're the patient on your own or you're with somebody uh, in there helping them, you're, you see 20 people a day um, and you never know who you're talking to and forget to ask certain questions. So many people ask, forget to ask things when they get home or wherever they go. And they're like, oh, I forgot. And you have no idea who to contact at the hospital after that. So knowing ahead of time the questions to ask and have a place to write it down and all the information. So uh, I created this book so that people could have that as well as an organized spot. So bring that to the hospital with you. So yes. you've got everything in one spot. Because that uh-huh. is, I know when my folks have been in the hospital, I was writing notes all over the place or, you know, then I got to the point where I would bring my computer and stuff with me. But man, there's a lot to keep track of. And if you, and if you're not on top of things, and if you're not there when the doctors come to do their rounds too, you miss the opportunity to kind of talk to the, you know, the main person. Cause I know I found that, you know, passing things on through the nurse or other staff, I don't get the answers mm-hmm. um, that I'm necessarily looking for or, or the follow-up that I expected. It's like, well, they'll get a hold of them and they'll reach out to me or make a right. note and it'll get compu- com- um, communicated back to me. And it doesn't no. always happen that way. Um, no, do you talk at all about the patient advocate? You know, like if you get stalled out in the hospital, I, I know I ran into that with my own dad and I had to pull somebody in because I was like just locking horns and getting nowhere with this care. No, that's a great question. I don't in my book, but I mentioned how how important it is to get to know the social worker. Um, they're your best advocate in there because they know all the resources, they know all the rules and laws when it comes to advocacy and care. Mm-hmm. And then um, my only other suggestion is to look for, if you need to, a care manager mm-hmm. or a caregiver consultant like me, or if you have somebody that's an elder law attorney that you know of, they are a wonderful advocate. They are they know so much about the ins and outs of hospitalization and aging industry and everything that they are who I go to when I'm stumped on questions for clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard eh? because, you know, especially nowadays, there's a staff shortage there too. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get, one of the biggest things that I'm hearing from people right now is the social worker is telling them they have to find placement and the social worker is not helping them find placement. And they don't even know who to call or where to go or what to do. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest in that situation? You're welcome to reach out to me and then, or also Google care manager um, on the internet. Those two places are great start. And then again, elder law attorneys, they are just 
a wealth of knowledge. They they do a lot of research. They because they also not only help with they know about Medicare and Medicaid. They know about um, the physician's orders and all the other ins and outs that are important. Um, there's so many other details that um, aren't talked about, such as, you know, living wills and posts and all the other fun terms that are out there that um, you get to know as soon as you're in this uh, process of life. Well, and it's so important to have those legal documents in order, too, because if you if you don't, a lot of times you can't even communicate with the doctors if no. and and people don't understand that. And I mean, I've, I've had that happen with parents who have had um, children who are college age and they are, you know, they're paying for their their uh, medical insurance and the whole nine yards and they can't get anything because there's no there's no power of attorney. There's no health care directives. There's no nothing. And they're like, you know, they look at them and go, we don't care if you're paying for it. You know, they're of legal age and we can't tell you unless that's authorized. So it can get really complicated really, really quickly. And uh, there's got to be a better way to, to get those conversations going and people set that stuff up in 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 motion way earlier. You know, I, I heard one person and I thought this was a great idea. She said for anyone who graduates, instead of um, giving them a gift, she, uh, you know, a normal gift or giving them money, she sets them up with the power of attorney and healthcare directives, right? Oh. right. And I thought, well, is that smart or what? That is. You know, and uh, we just have to pull the fear out of it and, and get people to understand this is about smart living. And this isn't about end of life. This is about staying in control of your own destiny as long as possible and making sure that others know what your wishes are. And if everyone's walking around with zipped lips, that ain't happening. And, mm-hmm. and that can just escalate, you know, the trauma and the crisis that you're in when there's all these unknowns. Um, so I think that that so is true. so important. Um, and you tell us what the price of the, the hospital discharge book is then? That's also 29. Okay. And these price, they, uh, my website says 35, but uh, please email me <laughs> and mm-hmm. I can give you the $29 price for this uh, podcast. Okay. And um, do you want to give people your email address? Yes, uh, it's Courtney at generationalsupport.com. Well, these are two really important tools that can really help people not feel so alone and feel like things are manageable because typically no one signs up to be a caregiver in their family. It just kind of happens. And we're scooting along thinking, got this under control. I'm doing the meals or the grocery shopping. And then all of a sudden it hits a whole nother level. And then you're like, ah, I need help, but nobody knows where to go. So um, Courtney, for you, do you work with people, you know, throughout the United States or all around the world? Or do you just work with people in your state? If you can tell us that, that would be really helpful. So I do work all over the United States with people. Um, I have connections. I'm a member of the National Aging in Place Council. And so there are members all over the country in that so that we can communicate with each other if we have needs in those states. So I use that. And then I'm 
I'm able to monitor who visits my blog. And I do have people around the world that uh, read my blog, um, which is kind of fun to see when Australia and the Philippines and Ireland and uh, South Africa show up. Um, so uh, people from around the world are reading my blog. I don't know how helpful it is because I don't know what exactly uh, caregiving is like in those countries, but we're all human beings. And in the end, we caring for somebody else is pretty much universal. Well, and like you said, these situations occur, I don't care where you live and I don't care how much money you make or what kind of job you had or education, mm-hmm. this stuff just happens. And we have to get resources out to people uh, just to calm them down. You know, there's, it seems like there's less and less structured support for people to go to and more and more seems to be falling on the families. Um, Mm -hmm. That's my perception anyway. And I've heard that from many others where um, organizations are stripping down, you know, what they're offering, especially since COVID and things. Um, And, you know, the numbers just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And there's billions of dollars in, in free services from families you know, um, out there. Right. So people are spending a lot of time and a lot of money um, trying to figure this out. And when you can go to an expert like yourself, it just makes it so much easier. Um, but again, you have to know that people like Courtney are out there and available to help you. And, you know, when it comes to uh, your consulting, is are you comfortable talking about what you charge for that? And, and do you have packages at all? So I charge one fifty an hour, and then um, I have recently created, and it's just uh, started a membership program for twenty five dollars a month, where you will actually get all of my uh, digital resources that I've um, created, and I've created some just for the membership program, and I also have monthly professionals come and speak uh, via live webinar. Uh, to discuss different topics. I've had elder law attorney, I'm having a Medicare person, and then I'm having also a financial person coming up soon, as well as funeral planning people and so on that come and speak. And then also we have a virtual support group. So once a month, um, all the members can get together and just be able to talk about what they're dealing with, tell funny stories, tell, tell not so funny stories, help each other out. Cause you never know, you know, one person's having a problem with something. Another person might've had the same problem and found a solution that they can share with each other. So um, there's all kinds of things in this membership platform that I've created. And so with the support group, is it, is it pretty much anyone who is, uh, is caring for somebody um, you know, it could be cancer, it could be dementia, it could be all kinds of different things. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And I actually have some professionals that are members. I have a social worker that's a member and a financial advisor that's a member, um, that are in there just to gain the ability to understand and help their clients as well. Um, so it's a nice little, you know, they can also help those in the support group with some of their own ideas. Um, so it's, it's, it's a nice, helpful, true support group. Oh, that's nice. And, you know, sometimes I think people are leery if, if the group is too wide and too broad, but there are so many overlaps when you care. 
mm-hmm. you know, it, it, time management and, and different skill sets and different little tips and tricks that work across the board. And I, I think people need to understand that more, that we are much more alike than we are different. And mm-hmm. granted, even if you, um, even if you're, you know, with a bunch of people, let's say that have cancer or quadriplegic, or it could be a zillion different things, stroke, and then you've got dementia, you know, when you care, what's good for one is really kind of good for all. Cause I think a lot of it is our, our mental state, you know, and keeping us calm. Mm-hmm. And so we're not crazy. Cause I think a lot of us feel like we're going insane with you right. know just a pressure cooker and, and everybody can kind of relate to those things that, that trigger us or that keep us up from not getting sleep or, you know, gosh, I don't get to see my friends at all anymore. You know, those are all common threads mm-hmm. that so many people feel, or, you know, we just, we can't afford all this, you know, where do we go? Um, right. And, the, and like you said, the, the legal issues and stuff, so much of that um, overlaps. And I think it's also a great way for people to learn about things that they didn't know before, mm-hmm. because none of us know when any of this stuff is going to hit. No. Uh, and it's really critically important. Um, yeah, because you also have, you never know if you have a spouse or a mm-hmm. sibling that you'll be taking care of that has a different uh, diagnosis. There's so many. Um, my oldest son ha- has Down syndrome, and I know that I'll be caring for him for a, a long time. And and then his siblings, when I'm no longer available or able to, um, I know his siblings will be stepping in to help. So things like that, you know, parents that are caring for young adults mm-hmm. um, also are part of the group. So, so that's nice. Cause we all need support. We all need to feel like we're understood and, and accepted and to have that, that space where you can kind of release emotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly um, so that you don't turn into a pressure cooker and just pop very, very important stuff. To you, what's the most important thing that most uh, people need to know about caring for an older adult? Hmm, That's a good question. Um, Most important thing that not everybody has the exact answer. Um, Sometimes trial and error are going to happen. And it's going to be okay. Um, it may feel like forever, but it'll get figured out if you, uh, if you tap into the resources that are out there. It's just a matter of finding them. And luckily, Lori here has numerous resources on her site and podcasts that I believe can help so many. And so sticking with listening to her podcast and researching, you can find the people that are willing to help. And, you know, Never stop asking why. Um, I always say that. I keep asking the doctors why. Or why are you giving this medication? Or why are you suggesting this therapist? Why, why, why? Um, understanding and having the knowledge it is key. It'll make the stress feel less. Um, my uh, young kids were in the car the other day asking me how I I, I know to use the the blinker on the mm-hmm. car. And I was like, well, I had to go to take the driving class to learn what to do with the steering wheel and the blinker. And they were just amazed. And that made me think, you know, 
same thing with caregiving. We all just have to like learn all the different tools of the dashboard and figure mm-hmm. it out. And the only way to do that is just keep asking why. Yeah, that's, that is like, the, I think the most powerful question that we can ask, because why gives us an understanding. And also realizing, I think that what works today might not work tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, all of our personalities change. So as a care partner, you know, we might not be in the same mood. The person we're caring for might not be in the same mood. The environment could change. Other people and other things could have transpired that people are worried about or have on their mind. You know, all that stuff comes into play um, big time. Noticing, I think, sensory things too, like, you know, is there music playing? Is there, um, is there a good scent in the room? You know, those things can all, can all really adjust how someone reacts to what it is we want. And, mm-hmm. and that's really, really important, you know, um, sl- you know, slowing down and being in their space, being relaxed, I think was probably one of the biggest things that I learned. And, and I don't know about you, but was like, okay, when they're happy, you can be happy. You don't have to keep like chugging along, chugging along, chugging along at a hundred miles an hour and not taking a breath because all you're looking like to someone else, even though you don't think you are, is anxious and overwhelmed. And people read that. And then the people we're caring for feel guilty that, oh my gosh, she's really struggling or he's really struggling with this, or I'm a, I'm a burden. And you don't want your person to feel like they're a burden. Mm -hmm. And then we, and then we have the guilt when we realize that does happen. And then the cycle just kind of keeps, (laughs) never ending. Yeah. So there's, Uh there's just so much for us to learn about this, this whole process. Um, The other thing, the other thing you had mentioned was, um, you know, that it might not be perfect. You know, it might not turn out exactly how you want and, and building that toolkit because we just never know what's going to work. And, and I think teaching ourselves as care partners, um, not to carry that weight of the guilt around. And I think I hear that from so many people. It's just like, oh, you know, I feel really bad that happened or I, or I snapped. And, you know, if you keep carrying that around, you're not giving yourself a chance to do something different <laughs> in the mm-hmm. next moment. Um, how so about, true. how about do you deal with, cause this is a question I hear all the time. I can't get my siblings to help or they just don't get it, or, you know, they're, they're across, they're across town, or, you know, they're um, many states away, and they have all this advice, but they don't really know what's happening. They see a five minute snap of something, and they think they have it all under control, but they don't know what I'm dealing with. Do you get help people through those types of things as well with with families? I do. Yes. So my First advice I always tell people is to write down all the things you do on a daily basis for one week, Mm -hmm. write it every day, what you did for the person you're caring for, whether it's paying the bills, distributing medication, picking up medication, going to the doctor's office, trusting them, doing their laundry, write it all down. And first you'll be amazed at all the things that your superpowers have done. And then um, sharing it with them through a nice little letter, whether it's Mm -hmm. handwritten or via email and just stating, you know, 
wanted you to know this is what I do on a regular basis. And it's sometimes it's really tough and any little extra help would be great. Could I ask you to be in charge from now on of taking care of the bills? You know, just passing one little thing off so they can see your list of things uh, makes a huge difference. When somebody sees more what's being done, then they appreciate it and understand where you come from. Um, just when you're in the heated moment, talking to people and telling them, well, I did this and this and this and this, um, of course, they're going to react heated as well. Whereas if you sit down and write this and write a, uh, a thoughtful letter really makes a big difference. Well, in those categories of different ways they can help from if it's ordering groceries or, you know, coming over to unbag them or make a meal or give me two hours for a break so I can go do whatever it is I have to do. Um, you know, cutting the grass, grabbing the mail, and just calling and checking in um, with them. There's so many different levels of, of ways that people can help. And I think primary um, care partners feel guilty at first asking Mm-hmm. And because they're like, oh, you know, it starts out again, usually kind of really subtly got this under control. And then all of a sudden it's not. And then you feel like you're abandoned, like, well, no one's doing anything. Well, but we're not looking at ourselves going, well, we were, we did have it handled. And that's, they expect it to continue because they don't know it's changed. Cause a lot of times they think we don't always communicate the changes because we're trying to maybe protect somebody's dignity or right. we're trying to be you know superman or superwoman and we don't even know that we're playing those roles until you talk to an outside third party they can see it so differently and and I think that that can be um, really eye-opening mm-hmm. to a lot of care partners in terms of you know wow I, I didn't look at it like that at all. In wrapping up, is there anything that we haven't touched on, you know, that that we should tell our audience about, about what you do at Generational Support? No, but I always tell everybody the fact that either you were watching this podcast, or you've reached out to me, or you've done anything, you are already in the right direction. You're doing great, and it's going to be okay. That's what I always love to tell clients because nobody tells them that, especially uh, those they're caring for. If they have Alzheimer's and dementia, they're not able to express that. But I guarantee you, um, they're grateful and and you're doing it right. You're going to be okay. Those encouraging words are so important. And sometimes I don't think we realize how much we miss hearing something like that because we're so busy being busy. And I think so many care partners never, never let anything go. This was just another add on to their everyday life. Right. And, and pretty much anybody you talk to that isn't even a care partner will say there's just not enough time in the day, you know, and then you add this whole nother role on top of it. And it gets tough. It gets really tough. Do you um, refer people to like technology to use to like just even family communications I know can get complicated because a lot of times people will lean on well I'll just call them and then all of a sudden you're calling 45 people and or the the message gets changed you know kind of through the telephone calls and things like that Um, do you do you use any technology or recommend any technology 
Um, yeah, so I do recommend actually the the new Amazon um, Alexa, and I'm drawing a blank right now, um, family care plan. I forget what it's, can't believe I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. Sorry. Um, but they have a wonderful plan because it's all documented and um, in text form. And uh, I'll think of the name in a little bit. And then there are, gosh, there are so many um, pieces of technology and apps out there nowadays um, that just run the gamut and can, there are constantly new ones coming out. So I'm mm -hmm. always researching. Um, at the moment, there's one called Care Trainer, um, C-A-R-E-T-R-A-I-N-R, um, that is a good tool for caregivers to talk amongst themselves um, and also helps with if you have home care or even if somebody's in an assisted living or nursing home, um, that app can be used. Um, there's also so many different robots out there that are amazing. Um, at the LAQ and the, um, uh, what's the other one called? Caught me off guard on the technology. Okay. <laughs> well, there, there is, an, uh, you know, on Dimension, so many. Map, on Dimension Map, we have some of the technology listed there too, but yeah. uh, there's just a ton of it from, from monitoring to communications to entertainment. Uh, it, it's endless. So don't forget to tap into that too. But I love, like I said, I love the digital books that you have because you need something in one place. And, and I know for me, and I'm older, I'm 63, but having it just kind of printed out and right in front of me, it just kind of calms me down. It's like, oh, you know, I don't, have, I don't have to worry about my computer crashing or somebody getting the, the information that shouldn't have it or any of those types of things. And uh, and I know I didn't have that when I was dealing with both of my parents, but I would, I would bring a three ring binder and I was like, take, I was like a notes master. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and, and it, it, I think it gives you a calmness knowing that you've captured those moments too, that you don't have to keep everything in here because, you know, you, you get overloaded. And so, and knowing where you can find them versus like sticky pads all over the place. You mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah. That can drive, drive people crazy. Journaling well, I, also at night, excuse me for interrupting you, but jur journaling at night um, is really great and beneficial because you write down, you know, you can write down what works today. You know, mom ate fruit today because I had it in a pretty rainbow on the plate or whatever it may be. So you can remember that for the future if you can't get her to eat it again in a couple of months, um, you know, or just say, you know, I have to remember to see the, to call this doctor. And so that also will help you sleep at night when you write all your thoughts in your head that's jumbling through, just writing it all down and journaling at night really mm -hmm. will make a difference. And, and our sleep is important when we're caring for somebody because that also will make us grumpy if we're not well rested. Yeah. I like to re remind people when they are journaling to always wrap up with what good thing happened that day. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, we don't train ourselves to look for good things. A lot of times we're troubleshooting and you know, you're only going to find what you're looking for. And so if that's conscious on your mind, and it might be something really small, it might be a smile or a giggle or 
whatever, but those, those are the things we live for those little moments of gratitude. So I find for myself, if I wrap up with that, I can let go of everything else a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And I'm not worried about my list <laughs> you know, that, that is there. Well, Courtney, this has just been a wonderful conversation. You have um, gifted us with so many great tips and information and resources. I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you. So again, they can go to your website, generationalsupport.com. That's generationalsupport.com. They can email you at Courtney at generationalsupport.com. And I would imagine you have a contact tab on your website too. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And then if you're a Facebook user, go to Gen Support, G-E-N Support. Um, LinkedIn, she has a group, Generational-Support. And then on Pinterest, she is Courtney Nolte. And on Instagram, it's Gen Support. So reach out to her, please like, click and share this. Uh, Again, I think some really great, valuable information that so many people can use, not just people who are dealing with dementia, but any, really any caring issue at hand, uh, where you're looking for some guidance and support. So thank Thank you you. so much, Lori. And thank you for creating this wonderful business that you have. Um, Our generation now is so lucky to have it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything, you know, without the support of everyone who comes onto the show, you know, that's the whole point of raising everyone's voice, trying to give equal access. It's hard to find, you know, services, products, and tools when you don't even know what to look for. Mm -hmm. And so many times you leave the doctor's office with nothing. And so you're, you're still lost. And then you're kind of relying on your friends And again, that's why it's so important to share this information with your friends and colleagues, both those that are family oriented and businesses uh, can can tap into uh, Courtney and, you know, and her wonderful services. So thank you again. So again, in wrapping up, please go to alzheimerspeaks.com there you'll be able to access all of our free resources. And again, if you're looking for um, a speaker or trainer. We can help you out with that or branding and marketing information. And again, you can always pick up our book, Betty, the Bald Chicken Lessons in How how to Care. Doing pre-sales right now, but that will be on the shelves soon. And we are very excited to get that children's book out. Until next time, have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.